Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. Wednesdays mean one thing, and that is Bill Barnes. He's back, back for some more action, random thoughts and uh, memories, and just his uh, controversial opinions at times. We are excited to have him on on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. So we'll get right to Bill in just a second. But first of all, I want to say thank you to Dr. Chris Albaugh for being on the show yesterday. It was a great hit. A lot of feedback, a lot of promotion, promoting the show and, and, and advancing the episode through Twitter and Facebook and other things. Uh, heard from a lot of people that hadn't heard the show before uh, regarding the uh Monday's guests in Landon Goodwell, so it's really nice to hear some of the feedback and the uh, positive vibes, you guys. So I do want to say with confidence that I sure hope this episode uh, pushes us over a thousand plays. We're, we are so close, but I hope by the end of the day on Wednesday we should be there, and uh, we are definitely going to celebrate that. I haven't done much. I've just rambled into a microphone and talked to some friends. It's been you guys who have uh, helped us achieve that big, uh, significant milestone. So thank you very much in doing so. As always, you can follow the Get Home Safe podcast in many ways. The best way is our Facebook page and Instagram, which is labeled Get Home Safe Podcast. Our email address, if you want to contact us, is gethomesafepodcast at yahoo.com. And our Twitter account is Get Home Safe Pod. Get Home Safe Pod is our Twitter handle. Thanks again to our listeners and our guests from the week so far. We have a couple more great guests towards the end of this week. We'll hear from Jason Height tomorrow and Christopher Gonzalez on Friday to talk a little bit about their various uh, sports activities and having to work with Matt Hersema for a while in football and baseball. And uh, you know they're still they're still uh, kicking and, and want to. Uh, reach out and talk to me, so I thought we'd give them an opportunity. For those who are interested in being a guest, you know how to reach out and contact us. I've heard from a few of you, and we are definitely looking forward to making that happen. We try to improve here every day with, uh, it could be equipment, it could be different segments or thoughts and, and various things, so we, we got some new microphone stuff right now that I hope works out cleanly and isn't too loud or too scratchy. I'm you know, little by little, right? Drop by drop fills the cup, and, and that's what we're shooting for is just constant improvement. Kaizen to some of you uh, old real hondo prep uh, p- football players and such. I do want to say that, uh, you know, Bill Barnes always brings it on a Wednesday. I think today will be a little different perspective. Uh, probably he's got some he's got some experience now with his shows, and I think he's gonna you know I don't know if he'll dial it back or not or or whatever. But he was telling me that we have some really good guests on the show that he is uh, humbled to to follow up and and go beforehand also. So I think uh, he he will he will be ready for his uh, constant improvement as well. I do want to get to Bill in a second, not take too much more of your time. So let's get right to it with Mr. Bill Barnes. Well, it's Wednesday here on the Get Home Safe podcast, and that can only mean one thing, the weekly Wednesday weigh-in with Bill Barnes. We welcome him again to the program. Bill, where are you and what are you up to? We're, We're taking the show on the road today. Uh, okay. I am over in the city known as Homicide, Suicide, Genocide, Pesticide, Riverside. Home. Home for you, where you grew yes. up. <laughs> yes. I am currently at my mom's house. We have a, okay. a live studio audience today of three people. My mom, Excellent. her husband, and my granddaughter, Scarlett, who's sitting on my lap right now. That is going to uh, ensure that my language is appropriate today if a swear word needs to be spoken it will it will it will be a bleep (laughs) okay that's good to know well if only Uh, she were available more often you've had some really good guests on this uh past week and it's really Mm -hmm. putting the pressure on me to come through and you know you know show some professionalism on this uh worldwide broadcast because you know you had (laughs) You had Jeff from the Milwaukee Brewers, who was fascinating. Great stories. Uh, you had some other folks. Then you had um, 
Dr. Uh, Dr. Chris, uh, what's his last name? Alba? Alba, yes. Alba yesterday. You know, I knew him as the, uh, radio, or as the PA guy at Cal State Fullerton because, you know, during my umpiring career, if things went bad for me, it was always at Fullerton. <laughs> that was like a black hole for me. And I'm sure he's seen some of my most atrocious calls. Um, and me personally, working there, uh, I've been lucky enough to do three games from there that were on national TV, one of which was a Sunday night. The game started at 8.30 Pacific time against the University of Hawaii on a Sunday night. Ugh. And it was the only live broadcast of any type of baseball game in the country. And, of course, I worked the plate that night, so I was a nervous wreck all day knowing that. And even the Sunday night baseball game that would have been on at 5 o'clock our time was already over by then. And it was on ESPN that night, and um, the game went 14 innings. And I think Fullerton beat Hawaii on a walk-off uh, squeeze play in the bottom of the 14th inning. And um, the night before we were on ESPNU, I worked first base, make a long story short, had a rotation play, made a call at the plate. The Hawaii kid missed the plate, catcher tagged him. The coach from Hawaii came out and just unleashed on me every foul four-letter word you can imagine. And, of course, that was on TV. And uh, I got the play right after – a considerable amount of uh, video critiquing the powers to be at the NCAA game that I was correct on the play. So all the, all the crazy stuff has to me on, on the baseball field. A lot of it happened at Cal state Florida, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, well, that's it. <laughs> my granddaughter Scarlett is here on my lap and I am trying to coax her into saying hi to you. Say hi, Matt. She won't say it. She's just glaring oh. at me. Goofy look. Say, you know, if you would say if you say hi, Scarlet, to her, she may say hi back. Okay. Hi, Scarlet. Hi, Scarlet. This is Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. There you go. Hey, there all right. She all her, right. Uh, she's made her broadcasting debut. Absolutely. So, yeah, she'll be three in August. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, there you go. Anyway, go ahead. All right. Let's get on with the show. Enough of this. <laughs> Wow, that's uh, the first time I, I've said hello to uh, to a young lady, and, and she responded uh, the first time. I think that that's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, it'll probably be it'll be the last. Man. <laughs> Very much so. Even she's laughing. Even Scarlett's laughing at that. She's giggling. <laughs> anyway, okay. We know Bill Barnes as the umpire. We know Bill Barnes as the uh, retired cop. We know Bill Barnes as the sarcastic individual that we have every Wednesday on this show. What is Bill Barnes, the grandfather like? Oh, uh, a a completely different person. Uh, A complete uh, tub of goo when it comes to her. Um, She can do no (laughs) wrong. Uh, You know, I mean, she's spoiled. I give her anything she wants. And, uh, and that's probably the way it'll be forever. I imagine. Mm Mm-hmm. As it should be, as it should be. And, uh, you know, Bill, we, we were actually working on a baseball field together in, I want to say, St. Paul, Minnesota, when Scarlett was born. That's right. That's right. We took the field, and uh, it, it, it had not happened yet. And then when we came off the field, I had a picture on my phone of her, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, and, and, you know, when you're on the field, you see these teams every day and the coaches, and it's, it's usually going through the motions. Hey, how you doing, Bill? Hey, hey, Matt, how you doing? But one of your first interactions that day was with, uh, was it Tom Vaith, I think? And, and you had the best comeback And uh, <laughs> when he asked you, hey, how's it going, Bill? Yeah, yeah, Tommy, Tommy came by from coaching first base. You know, Tommy was, was hot and cold. If he, was, yeah. if he was in a good mood, he was the nicest man on the face of the earth. If he was in a bad mood, he was a bleep. <laughs> and that particular night, he was in a good mood. And he came running by on his way back to the dugout. And he goes, what's going on, Bill? How you doing? And I told him. 
You know, I said, well, as we speak, I think I have a granddaughter being born back in California. Oh, that's great. And then uh, the next <laughs> night, the next night he came out and he goes, hey, did everything go well? I said, yeah. I go, thank you very much. And he was, you know, just, you know, when it's all said and done, 99% of managers, coaches are good, good human beings. Now, mm -hmm. they have a job to do between the lines and they, they can become uh, troublesome individuals because they're fighting for their team. I get it. Like I say, 99% of them, if you were broken, <clears throat> excuse me, if you were broken down in the parking lot, you got a flat tire, they'd be the first ones to stop and ask you if you needed AAA. You know, the days that they yeah. happen, you change your tire, that's pretty much over because none of us change tires anymore. But they would, <laughs> stop and, they would stop and ask you if you needed help. And, you know, because we were all, I hate to say this overly used term now, and I'm getting sick of tired of hearing it. You know, we're all in this together. I'm getting tired of hearing that, but in, in a true sense, uh, baseball people, players, coaches, managers, umpires, you know, we were all in it together. You know, yeah. we fought like cats, cats and dogs sometimes between the lines, but when you saw them out, especially after they retired, I mean, I got a, a, um, a, uh, the privilege of, of talking to Mike Gillespie, the longtime USC coach, UC Irvine coach, um, who, uh, was just, uh, I just found this out, was just in the hospital with some lung issues and he's out of the hospital now and he's doing well, but um, he was an absolute terror on the field, especially in his younger days. He, as he got older, he mellowed out. And I remember one quick story. I was working at, at UC Irvine when he was coaching there. I had to plate one afternoon. It was a close two to one game. He lost his team lost. During that game, I had been hit. I took a really good shot to the mask. In fact, it cracked my mask, and I had to use one of my partners to finish the game. And I thought, you know, maybe it did some brain damage or something, because <laughs> after the game, I was, as I was walking off the field, as you all know, you go by the third base dugout to get to the locker room at Irvine. Mike came out and said to me, Bill, nice job today, really good job. And he was on the, he was on the, the end of a two-to-one loss. And for him to say that, I thought, you know, maybe I am on, on, on some other planet for him to compliment me after a loss, but he was just, a, I mean, I, I had a chance to talk to him um, off the field a few times and just a very nice, nice man. And um, if he liked you, uh, you know, there was that certain sense that, that you knew that, but between, between, and during the game, it didn't matter. Uh, he would, he would, you know, he would, ring me out if he had to on a call or something and it didn't matter because he was a true true competitor and that's what you appreciate about coaches and managers that they know how to you know they leave it on they leave it between the lines when the game's over yes uh, i think that's something we all want is is for them to be able to turn it on and off like a light switch just you know what don't make this stuff personal you know we all know each other we see each other multiple times uh, I, I, you know, when grudges are held or whatever the case may be, that's where I think you get some real problems. But I, I mean, think of it this way, any, any marriage, any relationship, think of all the arguments you have, uh, you know, just in general with family members. And those are people that you love. Now imagine going on a ball field and, and working with these people that they're trying to win a game. They're not your friend. They're not your family. So there's going to be some heated discussions. And I think sometimes it looks a little worse than it really is. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were times where, you know, I had coaches come out and, and they knew that I, that I got the call right, or it was in or, or that, you know, you, it was close and they came out just to come out and they would say, Hey, look, I'm out here just to, you know, show my fans and my players that I care about them. You know, Hey, uh, where are you going to dinner tonight? Or uh, where's your banquet going to be at? Or, you know, um, you know, what, what's your uh, favorite color? I mean, they'd come out and just make conversation and, um, or they'd come out and say, hey, I saw you at the, uh, I mean, this happened to me up in, in uh, <laughs> this happened to me, I think it was in, um, Cal it was either Calgary or Edmonton. I was out one night and the, the, the manager for uh, Calgary was a guy named uh, Morgan Burkhart, who, great guy. Um, he was, he was a nervous Nelly, but he played in the big leagues a little bit. He was a DH for the Red Sox back in the day. There was a play at the plate. It was really close. He came out. He didn't, he didn't say a word about the call. He goes, Bill, he goes, I got to tell you, man, 
<clears throat> I saw you in the bar last night, and that woman you were talking to was just completely butt ugly. And, and I've got some real, I've got some, I got to question your sanity about that because, you know, you can do a lot better. And the way he was saying it, everybody in the ballpark probably thought he was, you know, giving me uh, uh, a ration about the call, but it was, it wasn't even that. And he, and he kind of kicked dirt a little bit and he walked away and that was it. And it was all I could do not to laugh and, and keep a straight face. And that's what, you know, when, when, when you, when a coach comes out and does, or a manager comes out and says that to you, you know, you've kind of earned his respect because he's not out there just, you know, um, blasting you about your umpiring ability. He knows that maybe it was close. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you got it right, but he has to be out there. So he's got to think about something to talk about. And the thing, the whole funny part of that is that I wasn't in the bar the night before with any woman. I was probably, who knows in my room. I mean, I didn't see him, but he just had to say something. Oh, man. Well, there's a million and one stories like that about uh, umpiring. And, and, and I know you have many of them because you've been doing it a long time. You've worked at many different levels. Uh, so <laughs> it's always good to hear, Bill. And, and you know what? I'm going to give you a little credit here, uh, which I don't like to do often. But for those that don't know, uh, Bill has also worked the uh, Division II College World Series twice. Not once, twice. Uh, so he's worked at uh, the highest level of, of, of championship caliber baseball. And, and I know that definitely was, uh, was a real treat for you both times you got to do it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> they tell you months ahead of time that you're, that you're going to go and you have all season to screw it up so you can't go. And luckily, you know, I, I stayed out of trouble those two years and was able to to uh, be lucky enough to go uh, the year 2011, I went to Cary, North Carolina and spent one of the most hottest, miserable uh, 11 <laughs> days because, you know, they, they would put you into two crews. And for the first five days, I was the, the day shift guy. And so I worked a plate job in uh, Cary. It was about 100 degrees with the humidity completely, completely off the map. Luckily, it was a one to nothing game. I didn't get in any trouble. Nobody really yelled at me. But every two innings, our um, director, a guy named Dan Weichel, would come out with ice cold towels that had ammonia in it and put it around my neck to bring me back to um, consciousness. Because that, you know, being a California guy, I wasn't used to that kind of humidity. I wasn't used to that kind of just absolute horrible heat. And to make matters worse, we didn't have a locker room there we had a we had a um, a uh, motorhome that you know eight guys dressed in so what i did after that game i remember i just got down to my basic underwear got in the car drove back to the hotel and went and just face planted into the swimming pool it was an indoor pool because of the you know the heat and the humidity it was an indoor swimming pool and i don't even think i changed into a bathing suit i just did a face flop right into the pool and it was the most refreshing bunch of water I had ever fell in in my life and it felt so good to be done with that even though it was only about a two hour and five minute game um you know I mean you work in a championship type atmosphere it's intense every Mm -hmm. pitch is big and um I was glad to be done with it yeah and anyone who's worked a postseason baseball knows that it that it is different but at the same time Bill you have to uh, go to your fundamentals and, and not look at it as a quote unquote big game, right? Big, big game tomorrow. No, it's, it's gotta be, you have to go into it with the standpoint of, okay, here's another pitch. Here's another pitch. And one pitch at a time, one yeah. pitch at a time, one play at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the night before I made sure I worked on my timing. I got a <laughs> roll of socks together and I was playing, you know, I was laying on my bed and, and tracking the, the, the socks into my hand, getting ready for, like you say, a big game. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, and, I'm, and I'm joking, by the way. Um, no, they're they're all big. Some are bigger than others. And if and I can honestly say in my career, I really, I mean, I know I have, but I'm not. I, I tried every game I worked like it was going to be my last one because it might be, you know. Yeah. And you want to go out on a high note. You don't want to be, you know, horse bleep on the field. And, and, and have your last game ever, you know, smelling the place up. So 
you want to go out as best you can because you never know. I mean, you could be hit by a bus that night and you're done. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're, you're good. The last thing I'll talk about uh, umpiring and, and refereeing with you, Bill, uh, today is let, let's focus on the postseason, uh, a championship. If you're selected as an official to work a championship game, it could be football, it could be baseball. It, it, it's, a, it's definitely an honor to work the championship, the last game. C- can you paint a picture of what it's like to, to non-umpires, of what it's like working a championship game? Because you have two teams, their goal is to win the game, to win the championship. We're not trying to win anything. But it's still a tremendous honor to be on the the, the field for the last uh, the last game of the season that, that really means something. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's like <clears throat> you're honored to be there, but you are not the attent- you're not the focus, right? Nobody's there. Like I say, I've said this many times. Nobody. I don't care if it's a uh, a nine year old t ball game, or if it's the seventh game of the Major League World Series. Nobody is there to watch you except uh-huh. you and your peers, maybe your wife and girlfriend. And you, like I said before, you just hope they're not there together watching. <laughs> you hope one of them is on one end of the stadium, the other's on the other, and they don't somehow meet. So no one is there to watch you. So my point of this is you do not want to be the, the center of attention. Yeah. You want to be, you want to slide in, slide out, do what you have to do, not be noticed. And then, you know, go celebrate with your crewmates afterwards, knowing you had a you, you had a job well done. Absolutely, and 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 Bill, I want to I want to kind of transition <laughs> to uh, another topic here. Uh, a lot of guests on this show have been coaches and leaders and mentors, and and everyone I've talked to uh, from the old playing days, I, I've generally you know directed questions and asked them about who are some of their coaches and leaders that kind of shaped their life so who are some of the people that were very influential to you uh maybe at a younger age and into your young adult years even well i grew up up through eighth grade in corona california uh played little league baseball uh babe ruth league and baseball was everything to me everything um at that time in my life school came pretty easy so i didn't have to put a lot of effort into it I was, it was, it was pretty simple. You know, I wanted to be like every other kid who played, you, you wanted to grow up and be a major league player. I had a lot of friends in Corona, you know, it was the old days in the sixties and seventies where you went outside, you played, you, you held up traffic in the street because you're, you're playing ball or you go to a, somebody's yard and play and you have a makeshift left field stands to where if you hit the ball on somebody's roof, it's a home run. Uh, we did all that. You know, and we drank out of hoses and uh, we had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and we, we did everything you're not supposed to do nowadays. We did it. <laughs> and we're still living. OK. And it was a lot of fun. And um, <clears throat> when I transitioned into high school, I moved from Corona, which at the time was probably about 90 percent uh, Caucasian. And I moved to Riverside. And I went to a school, John W. North, which at the time was pretty uh, diverse. And it was an eye-opening experience for me because, A, I was around folks that I hadn't been around before. And I really learned to get along with a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of fun. So when I was a ninth grader, I I went out for, for baseball. And I was lucky enough to get on the team and... There was a coach, our coach was a guy named Wayne Cochran, who quite unfortunately just passed back in January, December or January, outstanding football coach, outstanding football coach. He had to coach baseball because back then PE teachers were by contract, had to coach two sports during the year. He was an assistant football coach and on paper, he was the head freshman baseball coach. He didn't know a lot about baseball, but he knew a lot about life and he knew a lot about what pride and discipline and trying to get get your mind to the next level was. So he was probably the first influence I had as far as doing things right, having pride in yourself. I mean, he 
he, he told us one day, he goes, I'm the most competitive guy in the world. He goes, you know, when I'm teaching badminton on third period, I go out there and I play against these students. I get really upset and I get really pissed off if one of them beats me. I get mad. And that's just, you know, third period badminton. So he was a competitor. He was a competitor, man. He went on after his days at North. He went on, he coached at Modern Day for a couple of years. Then he came back to the Riverside area, coached at Rubido High School. I think he led them to a few championships. And then he finished his, his career with, I believe, uh, Arrowhead Christian over in Redlands. Oh, and yeah. Wayne was a tremendous competitor, and he was a leader. And he, his best friend, who is, thank goodness, still with us, a guy named Larry Hilsebeck. Larry was a uh, was a uh, uh, the, the head football coach at North at the time, and you talk about, I mean, I remember my first day as a ninth grader, fourth period PE, and we're sta- we're sitting in the uh, stands, like the, there's like three classes out there. This is back when physical education was mandatory. You had to take PE. Doesn't matter. I mean, now I think it's it's an elective, but and you can go out there in your uh, in your in your um, in your jeans and t-shirts and play. We had to dress out and we had a, there was a, there was a standard back then. So I remember sitting there and again, I'm used to like dads being coaches and, and like people that aren't like professional coaches. Well, when these guys came out, I thought I was in the, I thought I was in the Marine Corps. Okay. They came out and they all had crew cuts and they all looked the same. They all had those polyester coaching shorts with, with socks and, and black Converse tennis shoes and they all looked like coaches from the movie Porky's. Okay. They all came out, they all looked the same. And they talked to us like, it was like, am I in ninth, am I in high school or did I join the Marines? This is, this is unbelievable. And I think from that point on, I had a new understanding of what being responsible, what being disciplined and what, what it was all about. And if I didn't have that, Matt, I guarantee you, I guarantee I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I'd probably be, God only knows where, you know? So, and then as I got older into, into high school, I, I played baseball the entire time. Um, my junior year, um, we, we had an incredible varsity team my junior year. Therefore, of course, I played a lot of JV baseball that year, my junior year. And one of the coaches then was a guy named, was uh, the, our head coach was Tom Kennedy. Tom, who did pretty well in life with kids. He had Adam Kennedy, who played second base for the angels and mm-hmm. was a, a pretty uh, good ball player in his own right. Well, Tom was our JV coach, great guy, great leader. Um, he had a, he was a, he was a uh, short stocky redheaded guy still is. He's still alive. And when he lost his temper, look out, it was on. You just wanted to get as far as away from him as you could, because I uh, remember we lost a game that we shouldn't have lost. The bus ride home was quiet and he, we got off the bus and it was still light out. And he said, everybody get on the field. And we all had to put helmets on, get bats. Cause we didn't hit worth a crap that day. And he said, everybody get in there. And he was, and he was left-hander. He threw hard and he started throwing batting practice to us. And probably every third pitch was behind our head. And, <laughs> and then he would throw a strike. And if we didn't hit it, you know, we stayed there till we did. And, um, that, and somebody forgot to get the helmets, the helmet bag, and he had to get it. And that was worse than anything. So his, his words were, you could be the worst baseball player in the world, the worst athlete in the world, but it doesn't take an athlete to pick up a blankety blank helmet bag. And, you know, he was right. So we, you know, we paid for that. My senior year, <clears throat> I got an introduction to coach uh, Rich Stalder and, he was um, General George Patton, but even worse. Um, he took no prisoners. Uh, we had long practices. And uh, let, me, let me take a, a jump back. My junior year, one of the coaches that bounced between JV and varsity was Dennis Rogers. Dennis, as we all know, is hmm. a, uh, he just got put into the, uh, coach, the College Coach uh, Hall of Fame this past January, I believe. Dennis, back then, he was 20. I mean, he was in his early 20s then. We had a summer league game in Bloomington. In, in Bloomington, California, back in 1976, was like, you know, you were in, 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 in uh, backwood country, Arkansas. 
okay? It was pretty country then. So we're ha- we have a summer league game. These summer league games were really mellow. We usually didn't have umpires. The, co- the uh, catchers called pitches. Um, the, the bases were <laughs> it was the honor system. And <laughs> Dennis showed up for one of the games. We were already playing. And Dennis shows up in, like, the first inning. And he was obviously on his way somewhere. And we were all just, like, taken aback because, you know, back then, you know, Dennis was just a stylish guy. And this is, like, the height of the disco era, 1976. And he had a pair of bell-bottoms on with high-heeled boots, a silk shirt that was open down to his navel, some gold chains, and he had this big perm, this big afro. And he's, he's sauntering onto the field, and he was about as out of place as you can imagine. This guy came from Bloomington High School. So he makes his grandiose appearance walking into the dugout. And, you know, Dennis liked me. He took a liking for me because I used to listen to everything he said. And he, he asked me after my first at bat, he goes, um, why are you swinging two bats, one of them with a, with a weight on the end of it, a donut? He goes, why are you doing that? I said, well, because I want the bat to be lighter when I go up and take my cuts. He goes, the bat's not lighter. Your mind is telling you it's lighter. The bat's the same weight. It's all in your mind. And I thought, <laughs> holy, holy crap, man. This guy, this guy's pretty deep. And, you know, Dennis has always been known in his 40 years of coaching to have this psychological type approach to games and visualization and, and this. And you have to understand, Dennis was a complete lunatic back. He had just come out of pro ball, and I think it was his first coaching job. And you know, he's used to the pro mentality. Well, that particular day, I'll never forget this. That particular day, um, there was like a, one of the farmers from Bloomington, one of the fathers of the, te- of the team members from Bloomington decided he was going to umpire the bases. And, you know, he was in his, in his overalls and his work boots and his cowboy hat, and he's out there working the bases. And he makes just an atrociously bad call against us at first base. I mean, our guy beat it by probably two steps, and he, he calls the guy out. Well, you know, Rich Stalder, he didn't care. It's summer league. He's not going to argue. You know, he's a professional coach. He's going to pick his pick and choose his battles during the regular season. Well, Dennis, the lunatic that he was, comes out of his 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 platforms and just goes screaming at this guy from the dugout. He called him every four letter word imaginable. All right, They're words that I hadn't even heard before. You know, they were they were completely versioned to a sixteen year old's ears, and he he went completely nuts. And the guy's just looking in at him like going, what's wrong with this guy? You know? And so about three innings later, Dennis has to leave. He's off to his whatever. He's probably off to catch a flight to Studio 54 or something in New York. So he was the way he was dressed. And he says to the guy, he goes, he goes, hey, man, he goes, I really want to appreciate you coming out, volunteering your time and, and, and giving back to the kids and the pe- good people of Bloomington. He goes up and shakes the guy's hand and, and just completely, completely. Uh, it, it's a complete different person than he was three innings earlier. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, this, this man is, I mean, this is back before, you know, the word bipolar was, was, was thought of. I go, this guy's a complete, complete lunatic. He's a psychopath, man. But it, <laughs> all of it was completely choreographed and he knew exactly what he was doing. And that is what's led to his, um, to all the great things he, he did at the, the professional um, division one and, and junior college level. Um, he won three straight junior college championships and that's unheard of because of the turnover, but he did it. And all of the co- his assistant coaches that have gone on to be head coaches at, at, a, at a high level. So my junior year, I got a, a, a good shot, a good dose of Dennis. And later on, you know, when I umpired his games, I always remembered those times and he had just mellowed out so much. And there were a couple of times that he could have just unleashed on me because I kicked two calls, one of which probably cost him a game. And he, when he sees me now, I see him occasionally here in Riverside over at a Starbucks by where my mom lives. I, I'll see him occasionally and we'll talk. And, you know, Dennis is always full of good inspiration. Even to this day, he's, he's 68 years old. And the last time I saw him was about three or four months ago. And he says, you know, he goes, I understand there's no room in professional baseball for a 68-year-old man. I get it. But he goes, the only coaching, managing job I'd ever want is to be the manager of the Vancouver Mounties in the uh, Pacific Coast League. He loves that area. He used to go up there and manage some of the Oakland A's uh, rookie teams back in the day. 
And I think he really uh, enjoyed that. But <clears throat> Dennis is a, is a very inspiring guy, um, even to this day. You know, he will give you his time, all the knowledge he has, which is a lot. You know, he learned from one of the best baseball minds ever in, in John Scalinas, who was a longtime uh-huh. coach, Pepperdine and Cal Poly Pomona. And he was the one the Los Angeles Dodgers got a hold of to configure a baseball field into the L.A. Coliseum when the Dodgers moved out here in 1958 or 59 or whatever it was. It was John Scalinas who invented the big uh, uh, Wally Moon left field screen. Um, he was the guy. So anyway, there's a long, uh, rich uh, tradition with him. And, and like, again, once again, my senior year, we had a very, 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 very good team. In fact, yours truly, a very talented outfielder who had the best throwing arm of anybody on that team, was delegated to a uh, uh, a pinch running and late inning defense uh, uh, role on that team. And but anyway, we were well disciplined. Coach Stalder taught us things that we carried on for the rest of our lives. That particular team, we had Alvin Davis who played first base. He was a longtime Seattle Mariner, rookie of the year, 1984. We had a loaded team. John Hotchkiss played for the Oakland A's organization, was our third baseman. Uh, like the guy I mentioned before, Brian Darling. Brian, uh-huh. um, when, when he was motivated and he wanted to play, was really, really good. Um, we had a good team. We had pit, Rudy Torres, our left-handed pitcher, would pick people off at, 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 at random. It was a Bach move. Nobody called it. But looking back at it now, it was a definite Bach move. And I tell him that every time I see him. And, uh, you know, he denies it. He went on to play at the University of Oklahoma. Rudy, Rudy had some, some issues in life, and he picked himself up, and he's doing really well in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, everybody from that team, to my knowledge, is alive and doing well. Uh, a few of us, you know, might have fallen at the wayside a little bit. We've all picked ourselves up, and we're doing great. Um, one particular story that jumps out at me that I, I have to tell because there's a, a just a sixth degree of separation here was one night, uh, as we all know, high school games go seven innings. And it was the bottom of the seventh. We're the home team. We're playing at the old Evans Park in Riverside, which is a, now a parking lot. I'm sorry to say. And it's a night game. We like, you know, our coach, we, he loved to play night games. We're playing it against Riverside Poly, our arch enemy. And a guy named, it's the bottom of the seventh, and I go into pinch run for Alvin Davis at third base. And I knew, as well as I was gonna, as I was running out there, they're going to put on a play we called the Bush play. The Bush play was nothing more than a fancy name for a double steal. And the reason we called it the Bush play is because it was a Bush League thing to do to teams because they weren't prepared for it. Most of the time. <laughs> and usually the pitcher would balk. What happens is the runner at first, who in that, on that night was Brian Darling, he, he intentionally gets picked off. This is with two outs. Intentionally gets picked off, tries to get in a rundown. You want to get the ball to the second baseman who has a, a bad throwing arm, and then the runner from third scores on him. And the game's over. We win. I'm the hero. And all the cheerleaders want to, you know, take me home that night. And everything's great, right? Well, it didn't, it didn't, happen, it didn't happen that way. Here's what happened. Um, Randy Harvey is the pitcher for Riverside Poly. Randy Harvey, for those of you that ever watched the movie Naked Gun, was the left-handed pitcher in the scene where Jay Johnstone's batting right-handed and Leslie Nielsen goes into all of his uh, crazy umpire antics, running around like a, like a crazy man. Randy Harvey, after his playing career, I think he, he played a little bit with the Detroit Tigers, went on and um, <clears throat> became a part-time actor. Well, he's the pitcher in that movie. And Randy Harvey, I'm thinking you know what? He's a left-hander. He's not going to check me. He's going to balk. Instead of thinking that I'm going to have to do something here, I'm thinking this guy's going to balk and I'm going to I'm going to jog in the game's over. Well, he does it the exact right way. Brian gets picked off. He steps off. He turns around. He checks me at third. And I'm thinking this son of a gun has been well coached. And right then I, I froze. I absolutely froze. It's the most embarrassing thing I ever did on a baseball field. I froze. Brian's in a rundown. I freeze. I don't move between third and home. Brian eventually gets tagged out, and I'm thinking, oh, shit. So my granddaughter's in the other room, by the way, so I can say that. So anyway, <laughs> I, go, I go back to the dugout, 
and Coach Stalder is there at the front step, and he's not there to say, nice try, go get him next time, pat me on the back. His words were, hey, Billy, you know what you did? I go, I know, Coach. He goes, you fucked us, just like that. <laughs> and those, that, that moment has stayed with me the rest of my life, that if you freeze and you fail, bad things will happen. And even though, thank God, we won in the bottom of the eighth inning, I don't know how we did, but I remember we won. And I was the most relieved person probably in the, in the United States when that happened. Because I'm thinking, you know, I had a chance to win it, be the hero. And lo and behold, you know, I froze. So that's um, pretty much it in a nutshell about my playing career <laughs> from that point on that, that season. <laughs> um, <laughs> My pinch, running, big uh, my pinch running uh, duties were null and void from that point on, but I did get some time as a late inning uh, defensive substitute out in the outfield and it was never really challenged at all. And that team, we, we had a great team. We had a great team. We went on and um, we lost in the CIF semifinals to a team. The game took an hour and six minutes. We lost one to nothing. We got one hit in the game and, uh, we had a runner at second base who walked, stole second. We had the tying run at second base, and we set up a pinch hitter. And back then, whatever, the CIF rules were you had to check in with the umpire. And he took one pitch. The opposing coach said, hey, he didn't check in. He didn't check in. He was called out, game over. That's the way we lost. <laughs> and you could, have, you could hear a pin drop, the bus ride home. And that's the way my high school uh, playing career ended. And, uh, but I will say I learned so much from playing baseball for some professional, good, outstanding leaders and coaches. And uh, that pretty much paved my way to what I've done. I know when I talk to other guys, we have a reunion every once in a while, the guys from that team. And we all, we all say, if it wasn't for our coaches, we would, who knows where we would have gone. We'd have been that guy, um, you know, working in a, working in a uh, um, 7-Eleven or something on the graveyard shift. Who knows? But I can honestly say that that is what, you know, geared your, geared me to want to be somewhat successful in life. So that's basically, uh, that's it uh, for my high school. And then I, and I went into, you know, I didn't, you know, I went into college and kind of kicked around a little bit and became a cop and then, I think I've touched on earlier shows what I did from that point, but that was what, that was the, the, the roots of my, of my upbringing. And uh, it was, it was a great, great way to spend my uh, high school. And we had, you know, thank God we had grade checks because you had to have a 2.0 to play to be on the team. And um, that was helpful because that made me, you know, uh, pay attention in class because I knew if I didn't get, if I didn't pass my grade check, I wasn't going to play, and that had been super embarrassing. Probably more embarrassing than than freezing up and getting picked off in the in the seventh inning. So, there you have it. There we do have it. Uh, <laughs> get some water. Get some water, Bill. You've been talking a long time there. Uh, <laughs> we wanted to hear. I guarantee you, when Mike Gilbert hears this, he's going to light you up for for well, telling your your, you your know, life story of baseball. But I I I asked I asked the questions and I wanted to hear these things. So well, that's some great stuff. Oh, you know, Mike. You know, I, I will tell. You know, here's what I did when I was in my youth. Okay, I'll tell you what Mike Gilbert did. Mike Gilbert. Okay. <laughs> And he can't deny this because he's told me and his sister has verified the story. Okay. When oh, Mike boy. Gilbert was a young kid, you know, he, he grew up in fashionable Yorba Linda and he had a pool in his backyard and his sister, who was probably, I don't know, 16, 17 at the time was smoking a cigarette out at the pool. And Mike decided he would go hide in the bushes with a BB gun and he shot the cigarette out of her mouth. <laughs> and he was probably, I guess, 13, 14 at the time. And so that's how Mike spent his youth. Wow. Okay. He had two sisters that obviously just tormented the living shit out of him as he grew up. And he's the, he's a product of, of, of who he is now. And um, he called me yesterday. <laughs> he called me yesterday. And of course, you know, uh, he wanted to know when, when the next show was. And I told him, you know, we'd be taping and it'd be out Wednesday. So he listens. And believe me, believe me, he scrutinizes this. 
to the uh, to the tenth degree. Trust me, and he will. He'll have a field day with his show. Oh, no doubt. Hey, Bill, tell me about your uh, some of the leaders in your life who yeah. mentored you. Oh, and then Bill goes on for twenty minutes. Uh, no, but I wanted to hear those things, Bill, because you know twenty. It's crazy. Forty. 42 years, 42 years and change, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, those moments still have an impact on you. And it goes to show how big of a deal uh, right. coaches can I be. Remember, I remember those stories, Matt, especially get, getting uh, that, that poly game. I remember it like it was yesterday. It is so clear in my mind, especially especially getting to the front step of the dugout and being so, <laughs> so politely greeted. And, and, you know, Rich and I are, are very good. We're still very good friends. I'm probably one of the only ex-players of his that still talks to him a lot, sees him a lot. Every year uh-huh. we play in a golf tournament, you know, benefiting the John W. North High School baseball program. And we're, look, we're lucky enough to, you know, golf together, ride in the same cart, you know, and we share stories. And I, he just turned, I believe he just turned 80. And he's still doing well. He, he fought off cancer a couple times and um, he's doing well. Uh, last I heard, um, you know, he lives part-time down in Carlsbad, lives part-time up here in Riverside. And, um, he has really, really mellowed in life. He's not the crazy lunatic psychopath that he or Dennis were back in the day. Um, in fact, he gets embarrassed when I bring up those stories because he doesn't like <laughs> to think himself, think of himself as, as an ogre like that. But I think in, 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 in Rich's case, some of his stuff was not not scripted, and it was just off, blown off the top of his head. Where Dennis, it, there was a method to his madness, and uh, oh sure, and uh, again, great stories, and you know, just a great way to grow up and be mentored into, you know, what you are now. So, <laughs> oh, I love it, Bill. That's that's great stuff, and, and it's fun to talk about my former coaches and. And all, all they've done for me. And then, and then to talk to them these days too, I totally understand where you're coming from, but uh, Mike Gilbert, another week where you haven't come on the show or calling you out again. So maybe one day you'll, uh, you'll man up. You tease me for many years for not asking Valerie out and many other things. So I got the airwaves now, my friend, and, and, and I'm calling you out one more time. You're too afraid to come on here. So maybe, maybe next week, Bill, who knows? Well, well we're, maybe you know, we're going uh, to we're gonna have to accommodate him. Um, you know, uh, he, you know, he works a lot. He, you know, he's, he's holding up the desk down at LAPD Northeast division. Um, he's making sure that the pencils are sharp and everybody's got a clean sheet of paper and he's, <laughs> he's doing the Lord's work as it, as it relates to secretarial work. And, you know, he, he's, he's, he's doing a great job. So one of these days we're going to get him on the show. Um, you know, he and I can sit together and, um, you know, and talk to you and, and it'll be just like the days of sitting at the Eden East or at the highbrow where it's no holes barred and uh, everybody better, better strap in because he's probably one of the funniest uh, human beings that I have ever met. Yes. And, and you know, <laughs> Oh man, we don't want to, we don't want to uh, promote him up too much because, because chances are he's not going to ever show. So we'll see. Oh, well, uh, he will. May, he may... will. I, 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 I will do whatever I have to. I, I will do okay. whatever I have to uh, to get him to uh, get on the show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard that, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. But uh, looking forward to whenever that day comes. Uh, Bill, did you have any luck with luck with Bosch this week with Amazon? No, Prime? Amazon. I still can't. I and, and <clears throat> I'm gonna. You know, you're gonna push me into some. Uh, some some four letter words here if we talk about Amazon. So let's let's okay, not, okay. let's not go there uh, in due time. I, I think okay. it's probably an easy fix, and I just can't figure it out. Uh, but I've I've been you know doing other things. You know, of course, you know my ten o'clock ritual six nights a week now is to watch an hour of Seinfeld uh, from ten to ten thirty, ten thirty to eleven, and and uh, you know that's my big enjoyment now. Love that show. I never watched it when it when it would when it was did its first run back in the nineties because I was working uh-huh. or something. But I sh- certainly enjoy it now. I really do. Uh, it's a great show. I've seen every episode probably five times. My my favorite, <laughs> my favorite one obviously is uh, the uh, the Magic Loogie, where uh, Keith Hernandez and Roger <laughs> McDowell guest star and they, they yeah. uh, you know uh, 
Newman or, or, or Newman or Kramer calls Keith Hernandez. Nice game, pretty boy. And then, you know, it goes downhill from there. So <clears throat> I always look forward to those shows. There's been a few that I've never seen before. And when I do, it's kind of fun. But I've, like I say, I've seen most of them several times, but they just don't get old. No, they're pretty timeless. Steph, that's a, that's a great show for sure that is on syndicated. And right. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tune in every now and then. What did you think of the, the Last Dance, the ESPN documentary? Loved it. I mean, it was great. I, I loved how, you know, the player's perspective some 22 years later. You know, I loved hearing Horace Grant uh, call out the Pistons. I loved how John, Sack, John Paxson, you know, he's not the only guy that's lost his hair by the way, which is, which is good, <laughs> you know, seeing him makes me want to shave my head, to be honest with you, you know, and um, I, I love his input. I liked, uh, of course, Phil Jackson, you know, there's a guy that, you know, probably has never raised his voice in his life and, and gets the most out of his players because he knows how to reach them in their certain personal way, you know, and, um, you know, he, I, I liked him, um, you know, of course, Michael, you know, he tells it like it is. He thought he thought Scottie Pippen was a little selfish, you know, when he when he got his surgery towards the beginning of the year. And then, you know, poor Jerry Krause, Jerry Krause, guy about five, <laughs> weighed about 300 pounds. I could see why the players just screwed with him because he wanted to be one of the boys so bad. But he was just a walking cluster, you know, and yeah. he made great deals, but he had a personality that those guys just couldn't relate to and he couldn't, you know, immerse himself into the team. So he was the fall guy, you know, he was the one who had the falling out obviously with, with Phil and made the statement that even if he wins 82 straight games, he's not going to be the coach next year. And, you know, he kind of, I think they'd have been a better team even that year if he kept his mouth shut, but, Anyway, he had a method uh-huh. to his madness, and it worked for him. Six titles in eight years. I mean, you can't really argue with that. But I think – No, and – I will say this. Michael Jordan, by far, the best basketball player ever. I think, Correct. I think maybe Kobe, Magic, um, those guys, a distant second. But Michael Jordan is, is head and shoulders above anybody because of his hard work ethic and his determination to win. I mean, here's a guy who they told him, you know, uh, there's a 90% chance you'll, you'll be okay, but there's a 10% chance you re-injure your foot and it's going to be a career ender. He said, it's a no-brainer. I'm playing. And then when, <laughs> when the owner put it into it, like, hey, Mike, uh, you know, you have a headache and I'm going to give you 10 aspirin. One of those aspirins is going to kill you. And his response was, he goes, are you going to take, you going to take the chance? And he goes, Depends how fucking bad my head hurt. So I mean, <laughs> that's great. I mean, yeah. I mean, he he went for it, and that just shows you his mm-hmm. determination. And uh, I mean, he was he was kind of a just an above average, a little above average player coming out of college, but he really turned it on. Uh, obviously, during his career and and the greatest ever. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the last few episodes. I think it's a really good show and brings back you know memories from that time and and whatnot so it, it, great show yeah yeah definitely and i don't know what's taken 22 years to do this but uh so far so good i i like the behind the scenes stuff and just seeing the type of people that these guys were and their their conversations on camera and stuff too is pretty funny yeah yeah it was it was it was good i mean you know there's a lot of stuff that we as 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 fans not being in the privy and being in the locker room and on the airplanes and on the buses, a lot of stuff we don't see, we can only imagine. And it's probably not even, uh-huh. it's probably even, even more so than we even think. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, well, Bill, we ask you every week, kind of, kind of this question, is there any changes going on uh, to, to your, uh, your daily life? Is, have, have you, uh, or is it just kind of the same old lockdown uh Routine every single day. Well, this is, I think, this is the sixth show we've done together or fifth? I don't know what. Uh, I want to say five. Probably five. Okay. Um, so that's five weeks of, of, of complete uh, quarantine and lockdown. Uh, two things come to mind. Number one, I'm getting sick and tired of it, as I think we all are. 
Number two, you know, now that masks are mandatory, the women sure have gotten a lot better looking. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we, we touched on that kind of in the last episode mm-hmm. with your uh, your three billion women idea. And, and, you know, it maybe it's not them. It's, it's you. Probably uh, me. Do you still feel that way? This it's probably week? me. Okay. You know, there's three billion of them out there. and <laughs> I can't find the right one. It's probably me. It's probably on me. I'm gonna tell you, and I'll take, I'll, I'll own that. Uh, I'll take responsibility for it. And until that happens, then you know what? You just keep uh, plugging away, and um, uh, I keep shoving. Yeah, I mean, you just keep shoving. You do what you got to do. You know, the world, the world keeps spinning. Barely, barely, it's spinning. Barely. barely. Yeah. yeah. What? The sun comes up. Yes, but and you know, I went for a walk last night about six thirty, six forty-five in the evening when it cooled down. And there's a park behind my, my place. I walked through the park and it was crowded. There's a lot of people out there, families, strollers, this, that, dogs, you know, a bunch of people out enjoying the, the, the nice evening. But I felt like I was in a post-apocalyptic setting. Everybody's in masks. And, <laughs> you know, somebody dropped a, a nuclear bomb and only the survivors are out there, you know, frolicking around and they're all wearing masks because of the nuclear fallout that's still around. And I'm thinking to myself, is this the new normal? We're going to be wearing masks for God knows how long. I, I'm really yeah. not, I'm, you know, it, it's, it's unacceptable, but it, you have to do it. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you can't walk around. Naked, yeah. You got to put clothes on. So, you know, um, <laughs> speaking, speaking of that, did you get a chance to listen to Joe Stegner's interview I did. Uh, last I did. week? You know, I listened to Joe. <laughs> I, I listened to Joe. Yeah. I, I did. And, you know, <laughs> eating naked in the hotel room so he won't get crap on his clothes. Brilliant. Genius idea, Joe. Yeah. I like it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a visual I really don't want to see, but it's a good idea. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you that the, the uh, Jeff, the, the Milwaukee uh, Brewers broadcaster, what a, what a pro mm-hmm. he is. I mean, oh, um, yeah, he brought instant class to your show. I mean, he was on the day after <laughs> yeah. I was night and day. I mean, holy smokes. Uh-huh. You had my foul mouth idiotness on there Wednesday, and then you bring this guy on Thursday, and it's like, you know, you, you, you know, you, you got to, you had a guy wearing, you know, uh, cut off shorts and a tank top the day before, and now you got a guy with a, with a tuxedo on the next day. And it, it was really good to hear him. I, you know, I remember I, I probably umpired him when he played at Chapman back in the 2000s. I don't remember him, but I'm sure yeah. I, I, you know, I, I work their games and, and uh, it's good to see that those kind of guys have moved up through hard work and dedication and, and, you know, granted a lot of luck involved in anything you do, but you know, he made it and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for him, him. And as well as um, the, the doctor you had on yesterday, um, I didn't know uh-huh. that he was the voice of all those, those teams. I just remember him from Fullerton and a little bit uh, of minor league baseball, but Good for man. That's that's great. That's just good, good, um, hard work right there. Yeah, the sports world is is a fun one to talk about, and, and when you have different connections involved uh, in, in various aspects of it, it's a lot of fun to talk and, about and, and, and share stories. And like Jeff said, it's a small world. Like like the story I told today. Uh-huh. You know, I pinch ran for Alvin Davis, major league star for many years. Randy Harvey was the pitcher who became an. I mean. I mean, you can't make that up. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just good stuff. <laughs> you know, it's a small world. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I appreciate you listening as a, as a star of the show as well. We'll, well call you, know, you or, I'm or just uh... my game now every Wednesday because, you know, you, you've got all these big, um, you know, big money uh, guests that come on and I'm having to, you know, you know, bye-bye. okay, come here, Scarlett. Come here, honey. Say bye. Say bye-bye. Oh. Do it again. Bye. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we'll quit drink. Need to quit drinking. Um, uh, you know, Mountain Dew for God's sakes. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> uh, anyway, no. I, so you know, I got to you know, kind of dummy my my game up and be a little better each week because you know you're only as good as your last show. So anyway, I'm hoping. Yeah, that your, your four or five listeners will appreciate, you know, the fact that I opened myself up and and uh, did a complete um, uh, autopsy of my life here today, and they'll appreciate it, and they're better people for it. Move forward. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, you know, if hopefully people didn't uh, fall asleep, uh, they, they stayed awake with us and heard some some great pieces of history, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Mike Gilbert was listening to us the other day at his desk. And I guess the guy sitting next to him learned, looked over and he said, what are you listening to? Would you turn that shit off? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, that, whether, he, whether that happened or he's making it up, I don't know. But, you know. Yeah. Hey, hey, doesn't say li- on, the, on the listenership, it doesn't say listen and like it. It just says total listeners, how many plays. So it's good to, it's good to know that our uh, – our voices are yeah. being heard I mean, in hey. the Los Angeles Police Department. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's probably, you know, gives them the, the, the you know, the, the idea to go out and just beat somebody up after they listen to us. Let's hope not. Oh, Bill, Bill, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, it's been a lot of fun. Another week in the books. Another uh, fun episode with Bill Barnes and the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Anything else, uh, Bill, parting shots or otherwise no i got nothing i got nothing um i uh first i'm gonna start immediately as we as we hang up i'm gonna start doing my research for next week's show because like i said you know you got some heavy hitters now you know it's not it's not the third grade uh lunch monitor from uh, rio hondo prep anymore it's it's big time people (laughs) hey hey watch yourself (laughs) well bill thanks for joining us thank you to scarlet and the rest of the family for for uh, being on on air with us. We appreciate uh, yeah, we appreciate everybody being involved. Okay, all right. Let's see uh, let's see what kind of um, remote location we can come up next with with next week. I can't wait. Looking forward okay. to it. Well, thank you again, Bill Barnes, for your addition to the program on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. We appreciate your thoughts and also glad that we could share with some family members for you. It is interesting to see you as a grandfather versus your your daily usual self. I think there's a there's a very big difference there. So uh, yes, a hello to Scarlett and the rest of the family. Very happy they could join us. We look forward to joining you again next week, Bill, and looking forward to where you will be at, your undisclosed location. We'll see if it's a little more uh, secretive than, than this week. But thanks again, Bill. You, you make the program uh, a lot of fun, and it's good talking with you every single week. Guys, a couple changes to the show, at least for the time being. We're going to try something a little different. We noticed a lot of people are not necessarily listening on the Anchor app. They have their other ways to listen to it, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's great. The support uh, can come in. Any, any platform is appreciated. We've been including music uh, for intros and you know outros, whatever you want to call them, uh, through the Anchor app. Uh, when you do that, you cannot include sponsorships. So yes, we might be selling out a little bit here, but we are going to uh, try to cut some music for the time being. We may bring it back for some episodes here and there, but we know that a lot of people are not listening on the Anchor app, and those are the only people that can really hear the music anyway. So we're going to go a different route for the time being. If I get a mass... Uh, <laughs> A mass revolt on, on, hey, we want that music back. Okay, we'll, we'll consider doing that. But for now, we're going to remove that, try to get some sponsors here on the program because one thing they do say is that when you use music and such, you're not av- available to uh, bring in uh, sponsors. So we're going to see if the sponsors help, if, if that uh, it makes the show rise a little bit or if we can uh, benefit from that. But for now, that's that's the direction we're going. So... Hey, we're here to adjust and, and make changes at times. We're not trying to get locked into one way or another. So bear with us. You guys have been great bearing with us through everything. And just as a reminder, Anchor is the best way to listen to the Get Home Safe podcast. We're also available on other platforms, Spotify and uh, iTunes, uh, Desktop, and, and, other, and other items too. So, But you can find all our episodes in those places. You can go back, listen to some Some of the other ones, they're always available for you. We always have a new content Monday to Friday morning, usually around 7 a.m. Pacific time is when we will post the current episode, but you can go back and listen to all of them, all the the previous ones. I noticed some from a few weeks ago still get some pretty pretty solid plays all around. So uh, yeah, anytime you want to hear us or you you heard from somebody you want to hear again, that's a whole other 
an issue that if you want to reach out to us and let us know, uh, I can kind of tell from the total plays who people want on. Uh, my buddy Bo Barnes, he's going to be here every week whether people like it or not. So I don't know if that will gain us listeners or maybe lose us a few. But uh, he, he's our weekly guy that we're going to have on every week uh, on Wednesdays. And again, wouldn't have it any other way. Bill, thank you again. That will wrap up another episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Tomorrow, looking forward to our conversation with Jason Hike, former football official at the college level. Uh, he's, his story's pretty great, and so looking forward to talking to him. But until then, guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.